Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, who is Spencer Hawes' biggest detractor, along with Spencer Hawes' biggest fan, Mr. Mike Levin. Mike, how are you, buddy? Oh, man. I'm doing all right. It's been too long. Yeah, it has been. It has been a couple weeks. Boy, did I have a weekend last weekend. Holy moly. Do you want to talk about it, or do you just want to, like, well, gloss right past? Well, I mean— I hate to put the couple things that happened in the same bucket because they are not in the same bucket, like the death in the family. There was a death in my wife's family, which is very sad. But then, in addition, I sent you the video of the the other thing, right, of the accident. Yeah. As yeah. as we were, and this will be, let me just say, at the top of, before I even get into this real quickly, this is going to be a really good Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Like, really, really, <laughs> really good. I have— you, you, didn't, you didn't tell me that, so I, I don't know that I can— Look, I'm telling you— you, you, better bring, you better bring the funk and the noise because I'm struggling. I have a couple of hot takes, let's just Great. say. I have maybe the greatest Twitter slash Tony Roten story I've ever heard. Like, this story was so funny to me that I was lying in my bed last night, like, dying— and Val, my wife, was like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, I'm, "Like, it was this story that I got in email that I can't confirm is true, but the guy had pictures, so it seems like it's true. And it's a good story. It's a, a very positive Tony Roten story. Um, you know, like, and then at the end of the podcast, if if you don't like wrestling, that's fine, but we're going to have a, a little WrestleMania preview with Ange Goldstein, like both one of our favorite. Like our favorite guy, right? Our favorite wrestling guy, well, at least. He's he's the best guy. The best guy. So so it's going to be really, really, and plus a lot of like, you know, topics and Twitter questions. It's going to be really good, almost like a real show. But <laughs> at the beginning of it, I just want to say, so we are we are on our way home from this funeral, and also, by the way, putting in a bid on a house. Let me just recommend it. I know there's all shapes and sizes and all ages and income levels listen to the rights to Ricky Sanchez. So I know there are probably some, I know for a fact there are some homeowners that listen. Boy, let me tell you, Mike, trying to buy a house is the most annoying process in the history of annoying processes. Like, yeah. like you have to, here's this thing that you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on that you're committed to pay for for the next 30 years. And they're like, you got to decide real quick before somebody else buys it. You know? <laughs> like, so anyway, so, but we're, so we're on our way home from the funeral and from putting a bit on the house. We're driving through South Philadelphia and I'm going on my merry way. Somebody, a woman pulls out from a side street, does not stop at a stop sign, drives into the side of my, my car. Now, I should also add, it isn't my car, it's a rental car, because I was rear-ended two and a half weeks ago, um, also in South Philadelphia. So she drives, she like T-bones the car, very clearly, like the damage to her car is on the front, the damage to my car is on the side. This lady gets out of her car and screams that I hit her. Now, uh-huh. that is physically impossible. I couldn't have hit her unless my the wheels on my car could drive sideways and drive sideways. I saw, I saw the video, I can yeah. confirm. So you may be asking, as you're listening to this, what do you mean you saw the video? So this woman, <laughs> so I call the police, even though the woman tells me that the police aren't working on Saturday and they will never come. Um, I call the police. The guy shows up as we're waiting. She drives away. We get her license plate number. As it turns out, her license plate number does not match the car that she's driving. 
And this old guy on the corner waves me over as I'm talking to the cop, pulls out his cell phone, and shows me video of the entire accident. <laughs> like the entire thing. So this guy has like cameras. It's, we go into his house to get to the video, to see the video and capture the video on my phone. And as we sit down to look at this screen, the uh, the screen has like 15 camera. It, it, it's like we're in the security office of a mall. That's what his security system looks like. He has cameras. There's a camera on me watching the video. That's how many cameras there were in this place. So the guy gives me the video of the accident, but the police, I guess, don't really deal with this sort of stuff if nobody's injured. So I'm just waiting on the insurance company to hunt the lady down. Cost me $300 because I had to pay the deductible on the rental car. And the only reason I have the rental car is because I got rear-ended in the first place. Bro, this is a bad weekend. Bad weekend. But here we are. Yeah, so no Ricky. But here we are. So, um, So first, before we get into the actual Ricky... We have a minor lottery party T-shirt update in that we have seen the preliminary designs. <laughs> am I underselling it and saying it's amazing? I mean, am I overselling it and saying that it's going to turn out amazing? I laughed. I laughed at all of them. I yeah. laughed at all of them. And we're gonna look like cult members. Yes. Yeah. You will be. Let's put it this way: the five bucks that you will spend on this T-shirt will be the best five bucks you've ever spent to look like a maniac. Like if you've ever <laughs> spent five dollars to look like a maniac. It'll, it won't be – the value isn't as high as what you're going to get on this one. So thank you to Kevin, and we'll give all of his a, – a University of the Arts student volunteer, a Philadelphia U Arts student volunteer to do the design. Did like 15 different designs for us. He is honing in on the couple that we really liked, and then we – I'm hopeful that we'll be able to put up the link to prepay for them within the next uh, – 10 days or so. Cheesesteak Tea is doing the t-shirts again. They're going to be five bucks. That's all. Nobody's making any money. We just want everyone to be able to have a t-shirt. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And you can pick your size. Correct. Yeah. Yes. You can pick your size. Like what we're going to do. My, my thing is again, I want it to be as cheap as possible. It'll be five bucks. You'll pick it up at the lottery party. If for some reason you can't make the lottery party, you can pick it up at Cheesesteak Tea's afterwards. After the party's over, I don't want anybody picking them up beforehand because I want everyone coming to the party. And if you're out of town, I'm still working on some sort of idea where we can send them to you. Um, it seems like most people who are out of town are more than willing to pay a shipping cost. So if you're out of the area, we'll we'll come up with a way for you to do that too. But the, the number one way is I want people to pay for them and then pick them up at the lottery party because basically I want everyone to put them on at the same time and just look like a room full of maniacs. So <laughs> and 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 your wife Val work in the booth. Yeah, Val, my wife has volunteered to work the t-shirt distribution booth. So you will come up and have to talk to an actual girl to get to the t-shirt, <laughs> which uh, Mike and I have have uh, pondered that that may stop seventy percent of the constituents oh, from actually stop, getting. Stop it! Stop it! Have a little more faith. <laughs> okay, so so here we go. So. I don't know where do we – so I went to the – I was at the game last night. I took oh, yeah? my wife and my little cousin to the game, my cousin who I've taken before, who boos the Sixers dancers. And the Sixers were nice enough to let us come onto the court for shoot-around before the game even started. And let me tell you that seeing Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan up close, I've never been yeah. that close to those guys. 
DeAndre Jordan is the most physically imposing human being I've ever seen in my entire life. That guy is really, really the most physically imposing. I, I've like the most physically imposing person that doesn't, that isn't like a killer or a, a boxer. You know who who's who's who isn't like somebody who beats people up for a living. You know, obviously, if I saw Brock Lesnar up close. He, he yeah. beats people up for a living. That's not what DeAndre Jordan does. So let's take out people that beat up people for a living and murderers and stuff. Those sure. people out, DeAndre Jordan is massive. And I will tell you as well, Blake Griffin, you might think you know that Blake Griffin is in great physical condition, but when you see him like five feet away, yeah, you, you wonder how you're the same species as him. Like those, sure. he is, and especially compared, I think that was when, it re- when I realized that that's why we get beat by 100 points by the Clippers every time. Because then I looked over at our Sixers guys, whom I love, who are just not fully formed men yet. You know, like right. De- DeAndre Jordan is this dude, and and Nerlens is just like, you know. Half half of him. Yes. You know, and even even Chris yeah. Paul, who's not a, a big guy, is still a fully developed grown man NBA basketball player compared to Ish Smith, who is— not really, you know, like they are just, they're a bunch of really big dudes. DeAndre Jordan is a massive, massive person. But I thought of you as Spencer came out with his full yeah. beard and long hair and was shooting threes, and Val could not contain herself from laughing directly <laughs> at Spencer Hawes every time he came near us, which I thought was great. I snapped So a tell picture. me, wait, tell me about the, the Spencer Hawes tribute video. Yeah. Well, Okay, so we'll do that, and then I had a, a sort of a hot take about the Clippers in general. So I'm I'm looking, we're watching the game as the game's going on, and then during the breaks in the game, I just I talked to Alec, who's my cousin, and we're just talking about basketball. Alec, by the way, 12 years old, loved the MCW trade, which <laughs> was awesome. The kid just keeps winning me over. Um, Great. Was wearing his KJ McDaniel jersey, and I tried to buy him a new one. They didn't have any jerseys in the entire building. I tried to buy him a New Orleans one. So I'm talking oh, to wow. Alec, and Val goes to me, a Spencer Hawes video, and I look up, and it's like, like the video that you do that they did for Igodala, but you have to sort of figure that Igodala is like the. He's not the bottom of who you do it for. But maybe Lou He's Williams. Close. Lou Williams is sort of like like I almost yeah. sort of feel like you either have to have been drafted by them or had a won a championship or there, there there should be rules associated with who gets a fucking tribute video. But like I look up, so I grab my phone and I immediately pull video of the Spencer Hawes tribute video. So and it was long. It was like it had to be a minute. Which were there a minute? Of Spencer Hawes highlights from his oh come on career here hours let me tell hours the best part of it was the complete and utter like unreaction from the crowd nothing <laughs> as if it wasn't even happening like there is more reaction to when Franklin is shooting half court shots or like there is more reaction to nothing there's more reaction to the Christian Crosby commercials for half price off in the in the team store up on the right. screen the, the Spencer Hawes thing and at the very this is how little people cared at the very end of it there were a couple of claps and i was like fuck this i am booing so i start booing 
And there might have been like six other people that would even even wanted to join to boo. Nobody cared enough to boo. It was so I tried to think, why are they doing this? And part of me thought that maybe they're doing this because like the more they show goodwill to players, the more when they need to sign a free agent, they there's a good like feeling about them around the league. But on a Friday night against one of the best teams in the NBA, a pretty full house, you don't like really need extra entertainment on the screens during timeouts. Dude, it was so bad. It was why? Could you explain to me why they're suspended? Like it's inappropriate, right? Am I crazy? I inappropriate. I mean, he was on the team for three years. Yes. Uh, three, four years. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I love the guy, and I, I wouldn't have made him a tribute video. Um, <laughs> and I'm not but, mad. I'm not mad or anything. Like, I don't want to yeah. say I'm mad, but, like, all I could think about was his— It seems like they didn't have anything else better to do. Yes. Like, they were like, oh, we got, we got some time. But show we another made. one of, like, the Sixer versus Sixer videos where they have to name, like, the most farm animals they can in 15 seconds. But, sure. like, Spencer Hawes, his— his final game as a Sixer was the <laughs> worst was the worst show of effort I've ever seen by a professional athlete in a game in my whole life. In my Who is it against? Who is it against? Was it Golden State? Um, let me look. I'll uh, cuz I I actually I actually um, remember not only did I write something about how bad it, it was, was Zach Zach Lowe. It was Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe wrote something about, and he even like cursed. I've never seen anyone give less of a shit. Yeah, yeah, it was against Let's see. Um, oh, against the Cavs, am- amazingly enough, who then traded for him. Oh, that's right. That's great. Um, that's great. Yeah, I'm trying to find the Zach. You were right. Zach Lowe, Spencer Hawes on Tuesday night against the Cavs was actively avoiding any responsibility to de- defend shots at the rim. Like he was jumping out of the way. It was a masterpiece of not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And I said my final line in there, it was a pretty hot take. Spencer Hawes will likely be traded by today's 3 p.m. deadline. I couldn't be more glad. Congratulations on your Barack Obama toilet paper, Spencer. I can assure you Hawes toilet paper, if it's ever made, will most certainly be much softer. (laughs) That is a hot toilet paper take. I like it. Yeah. So there you go. There was a Spencer Hawes. He did get booed when he finally checked in. Sure, sure, sure. So, All right, so tell me about the game. Tell me about what watching watching well, them. Well, I got to say there is the the Clippers as a team are sort of the team version to me and I've I haven't watched the Clippers in person. I don't think I've watched this this version of the the Clippers. Like I don't think I've ever seen the Chris Paul Clippers in person. You know, they're only here once a year and I sell those tickets. So, this is the first time that I've ever seen them. They are sort of the team version in person of DeMarcus Cousins in that they are the most annoying, like, complaining, whining, like, dirty group of asshole players I've ever seen assembled on one court. Like, they are—DeAndre Jordan talks every play and doesn't just talk to the guy that's guarding him. And by the way, like, you know, for a guy that finished with a pretty good line and— and uh, you know, is getting pushed as defensive player of the year. Like, 
Nerlens took him off the dribble like a couple of uh-huh. times and didn't seem to have much trouble getting shots off against him. He's he is an intimidating guy, but like talked the whole complained about every single call and not just like the normal NBA player complaining, but like the eye rolling. Uh, every guy on that team is Matt Barnes. Like every guy is Matt Barnes about every call, and Matt Barnes is a dirty, annoying player. Like the only guy. It is it is quite a statement when the, the the two least annoying guys to watch on the team are JJ Redick and Austin Rivers. Those are the two guys, and Ekpe Udo when he finally came in. They are, they are. I can see why. Like I, I think they have a reputation that all the other teams hate them like a lot, and uh, and I think that's probably because of Blake and Chris Paul a little bit. They're both yeah, sort of for a, sure. But boy, have you been to their games out there? Like they are, they're like. They made me mad. Like I think I hate them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like I was at the. I mean, I was at the one last year. Uh, the like the forty-five point loss. Oh right, right, uh, right. The Clippers game. Yeah. The one I almost didn't go to because I said I was going to cheer Hollis Thompson. Yes. From the, yes. That was fun. When when they like, put you all the way up top, right in press. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, um, have you noticed that when you're watching them? Yeah, they're kind of just like dicks. Yeah. I think a lot of. I think I think the Rockets are kind of dicks too. Oh really? Um, yeah, I think, and that's, I think that's okay. Like you know, you don't want other teams to like like you. Yeah, I right? guess, but they they seem almost like, like the sort of dicks that like. They don't seem like they're in it together, dicks. Almost, they seem like they are a bunch of individual dicks. I get to that. You know, so I get to that. and but on the other hand, boy, are they so much better than the Sixers. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a surprising. Thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been rare, I think, to see a team that good at full strength against the Sixers at home. You know, because it, uh-huh. it's they're they're normally sitting somebody at this point, mm. and the Clippers didn't sit anybody. I don't think they are. They are a bunch of. I think it was David West that said something about you need men to win basketball games, which was a very David West thing to say. But when you yeah the when, most David West thing to say. But but I think there is something to be said for you know more veteran teams winning NBA championships just because I think they're forgetting about the experience level they're just more physically imposing and more more like more physically put together. But that team offensively really knows what they're doing. I mean they are uh-huh. they are it didn't seem like they were ever going to miss. I mean that that was that was the I don't think that was the sort of thing where after watching them, it, it's hard to, for me to believe that anyone ever beats them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've gotten that feeling before. Yeah. Um, but dude, Nerlens, Sharp, yes. Sharp I, I saw, so it's been a while since we talked. I saw Sharp was out here, and so I saw him a bunch of times, and, and he listens to the podcast uh, occasionally because apparently ours is the only one that comes out like on weekends. Oh, so yes. he's at the gym or whatever. So like that's hey. So we get it there. It's a pretty big and, fucking uh, bummer, by the way. The Bradley Beal sprained his ankle again. No one could see that coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. No one and, saw that and, coming. Um, All right. Anyway, sharp listens. But he so he's like he's like yeah, let's do it. And then like you guys you guys will just talk about the same thing every every time it's like Nerlens look pretty good like that's that's kind of what it is I'm like yeah that's probably that's pretty much right <laughs> but, but he did he looked great last night last night he got to talk about it dude he had 30 and 14 against DeAndre Jordan unreal against DeAndre unreal. Jordan Blake Griffin 
a little bit of Hey Do Turkolo and Ekpe Udo, but but and sure. Spencer Hawes, but but he there was no fear when DeAndre Jordan he went right at DeAndre Jordan, hit him with a hook shot. He did man, he imba- the one time Turkolo guarded him, he did that the. the he went right around him with the first step and then hit the reverse dunk and the N one. Like the guy is pretty sure of himself at this point. And I was talking yeah. to uh Rich uh Hoffman before the game. He's just good now. I like I I don't even he's good. He's actually yeah. good now. He is a legitimate, yeah. actual good basketball player. That's what it is. It's 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 a it's a confidence for sure. Yes. But his his progression over the last, you know, the first month of the season was like, okay, like getting his feet wet. Here he goes. Like, this is what he's good at. This is what he's kind of still working out. But like, especially over the last like two months, he has become so markedly better. Yes. Like each game, it's it's insane. I mean, like, you know, obviously he, he's not going to have like 32 and 16 next time. But I mean, this is, this was his like, this was his time, and I know we we lost by six hundred, but uh, it just watching it was like these are confident adult moves. Yes, that that he's making and looking okay with, and uh, his touch is getting better. He just seems like he, he like wants the ball and he's attacking. It's it's great to see, and I uh, I mean he's a rookie. Like this is him as a rookie after like not playing basketball for a year and a half. And only playing twenty four games in college, and and I would say that his there is an increased aggression, um, defensive uh, rebounding wise, and yeah, it it is no, it's not entirely surprising that the more confident and aggressive he's gotten offensively, the better he's gotten defensively. It's like that happens with every single player. It is a rare player that can just sit there and play defense every play and be completely uninvolved in the offense, you know? Um, He needs to miss some of those shots. He was 12 of 17 last night for the 30 points. And I will also say this. They did get blown out, but they were only down by 10 at half, and he had 18 and 9 or something at half. It's not like that was the only garbage points he had were his final four points. And I will say, dude, him trying to get the 30 points looked like old Nerlens. Like when he had 28, he was dropping every pass. He was passing (laughs) it to the other team. It was like the most nervous two points I think he's had as a sixer, even more nervous than his first two points. Well, he he did hit those foul shots though. Yes, yeah. I I'll, like it it's amazing to me to watch DeAndre Jordan. Oh, that's another thing by the way. To watch DeAndre Jordan who is having a really really good year but has still not found a way to shoot higher than 39% from the foul line and Nerlens yeah. is already like at 62% for the year and seems like mm-hmm. he hits seems like he hits four out of every six at this point. To, to me, you know what I mean? Like it's always like two out of two and then one out of two. And you know, he's, I, I don't know the, the, there was one Twitter question that asked who has, what sixer has progressed most since the beginning of the year. And though Jeremy Grant would have to get some sort of mention here, I don't think it's even cl- close that it's Nerland's Noel. And if he is going to get this much better during one season, I don't know that the ceiling just seems like it might be higher than I imagined it was. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I mean, I would add like a little bit. I mean, yeah, Nerlens has definitely gotten the most better, and 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 Jeremy certainly. 
uh, I think Jakar, in terms of like becoming like an actual basketball player, uh, in some sense, then I'd agree with that. Um, but yeah, dude, it's it's unreal. I mean, where's the limit? Like at this point, like I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think I think you still even watching him now, just like the way he plays is still like he's gonna get better. But you you're never gonna look to him on the offensive end to like really create. But if if he's an even average offensive player, then add just the alley oops and then the defense, like that's a superstar. Like that's insane. Like yes, he's legitimate for sure. Yeah, and the, even um, the alley oops are are more. He's like <laughs> confident, is, real I, confident. Yeah, just I, like going up for it. Like I, we, there was there weren't many of them earlier in the season. Like it was like, hey, just like dunk it, just fucking dunk it. Yeah, that was and the now one it's thing. Like all all day is just dunks. It was all day. It was the one thing we were like, oh, we thought we'd see more alley oops. By the way, now everything I say, I've is going through this. Andrew Sharp is listening to me and laughing at me. <laughs> that's how it's exactly what he wants. I feel exactly like he he's, he won a little bit on that he one. He did, yeah. Hey, we'll get him back. I got a I got a I got a sharp thing in a second. Okay. Um, Real quick on Nerlens and yeah, and I was this, gonna keep going. Okay, all right, then go ahead. Or well, or, I was just a bummer because I was at the Lakers game here, right in LA, and he didn't have a good game. It, oh, it was just like right. everyone kind of sleepwalked except for Hollis. Yeah, everybody sleepwalked through that game. I think he had nine. It was and, it uh, nine and seven in that game. I think he had. It was, yeah, it was just kind of like okay, he's just like yeah, whatever. I really don't know. No, I know. I mean, there was probably nothing, but like. That's a game that they had to lose. Yeah. No. And like, you don't think so? No. You don't think they said they get nope. no directive, no like, hey, nope. like, give this a shot. Nope. Try something new. No. Nope. You thought I, it was just like another game. Go out there, do it. Yep. I think I of all things, and I, there was something I wanted to bring up about Brett Brown, but I think that is the, and maybe I'm, uh, deitizing. How do I make him a god? Like, yeah, maybe yeah, I, maybe yeah. I'm 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 doing that too much to Brett Brown, but I can't imagine. The, even the players, the players, like one thing I think you have to realize about the players is that aside from them fighting for their NBA lives every play, every game, yeah. those draft care. picks could be coming for their jobs. So yeah, yeah. I, I think they never forget. I don't know. I'm sure you remember this. Never forget how relieved Drew Holiday looked when the Sixers got the second pick instead of the first pick, you know, in that draft when he was the representative at the draft, because the first pick would have meant John Wall. And would yeah. have met not Drew Holiday, and maybe I'm projecting, but I don't think it's much of a leap to think, oh, thank God we're getting Evan Turner and not John Wall. If you're the point guard of the team, so if you yeah. think the first pick is, you know, Okafor or Towns, and you're Nerlens Noel, and Michael Carter Williams just got traded, I don't think you're you're you know going into a game sleepwalking because of that. I just think, you know, that happens on some games, especially West Coast games, and um, you know, yeah, they they just look like really sluggish. Yep, and. It was fun to be there, man. It's hysterical. Lakers fans are so funny. I don't I don't hate Lakers fans. People do. I just don't like they just don't really exist. Like I Lakers fans are I I mean they're like it's like being a fan of like oh, what's an what's a decent reference here? It's just it's such like an understood thing like oh, of course I'm a Lakers fan, but like there's no effort that like goes into it. Is it like sort so of saying like, that really Oh, go ahead. Is it like sort of like saying like your your favorite restaurant is Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> uh, no, it's no. not like that. But okay. I like it. I, like, I mean, ask me if I'm saying your favorite restaurant is Cheesecake Factory. It's, That's great. It's very um, like they're like cartoons almost. I think Laker fans like whereas Celtics fans, I 
I hate. I they're awful guys. Like every yeah, Celtics it's fan, very different. It's is very different. Yeah. Thinks he's in House of Pain, but every Lakers fan thinks they're from Los Angeles, which is funny. Like that, I I think yeah. they're just funny. Lakers fans are very funny. I would agree with you on that. Yeah, and they just, I mean, they just had no. So I was in. I was sitting next to. Not as um, funny as Wizards fans, you fuck face. If you're listening, <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was, I was the next to these, uh, these two, these two guys and, uh, each of their sons and the two like eight year old kids were like really into it okay. and yelling like every, everything. And the one dad was also very into it. Like, and like, come on, make it hit it. Like that kind of guy. Yeah. And then the other guy was like, oh, we can't win this game. Come on. Fuck. We need this. We need this pick. And so he kept looking at us and like me and my friends are in, uh, Sixers jerseys. And uh, it was just—it was great. I, we kind of like after, at the end, it was like, "Hey, we we got that one." And the and the other kids were like, "Yeah, we did." And like, no, you don't. You don't. Uh, you don't get it. You don't you understand. Don't... Yeah. One one it was thing. Really, it was really one thing about Nerlens and the whole the the rookie of the year momentum has started to pick up a little bit. There's been a, a lot, a yeah. lot. Uh, there is there. He is now number one on whoever writes the rookie ladder on NBA.com. Um, you know, and th- thanks again. I will keep pointing to Ben Dietrich, who was the first national guy who started writing about this on Grantland. Is he a national guy? I mean, he writes for Grantland, but like he's a hundred percent Sixers guy. Yeah, but th- if I anybody who writes for look in our nerd world of basketball, them Grantland is like is it's you know what I mean. There are only so many national. I I don't. I don't care if Woj wrote to, writes about it or like like I I yeah I say that's that's a national I think basketball people read Grantland I think that yeah. I think that matters yeah um so and now on nba.com Nerlens is number 1 and I am finally at the point where the the whole supposition has been from everyone it's like you know maybe he deserves it but Wiggins is definitely going to get it and like I am now unaccepting of Andrew Wiggins getting the rookie of the year because he scores fucking 15 points a game and and that's and I'm not trying to downplay what Andrew Wiggins has done but right. there there is no doubt in my mind that right now and and even if you put all of the season together into one bucket that Nerlens Noel is a more effective NBA basketball player than than Andrew Wiggins is and has had the better season and and this this like this run at the end, this this is when you're supposed to build momentum to do it. This is when guys win MVPs and all that kind of stuff. Like, he should win the Rookie of the Year, and this is no longer a pet cause, like sort of a funny thing. He should definitely win uh-huh. Rookie of the Year, I think. Uh He's not going to, though. I, but I don't. I don't know that you're right. I like. I don't know that this is the case. I. I don't know. I like. Why? Who? What? I. I think it's. It's just everyone assuming that Wiggins is going to win it. Why? It's not like he plays in L. A. or for a good team or something. Like. Right, but it's it's the idea that Wiggins was the number one pick last year. Nerlens is a little bit like, sort of weirdly damaged goods. The Sixers are obviously an embarrassment, even though they have a better record than Minnesota right now. Uh, I think there'd be there'd be reluctance to give Sixers two rookies of the year in a row. Um, who votes on rookie of the year? Like who like press. makes that happen? It's press. The same people I assume the same people that vote on, um, you know MVP. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know NBA. Um, no, I mean I don't. I especially if it's press, I don't think they're gonna do it. I mean, not that it shouldn't be. I I I'm. 
I'm probably less firmly definitely rookie of the year than you are. Um, but I think he should, I think he should win. Um, or, or Miritich. I could also see that even though it just, it just like depends on like what your definition of it is. You yeah. know, it's like Miritich is helping a good team like survive and Nerlens and Wiggins are both putting up stats and doing well on very bad teams. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, Miritich is being asked to do less. I would put Wiggins third. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I don't like the Miritich. I, I understand that Miritich is being asked to do less, but he's also within the construct of a better team, you know? So, yeah. so who knows? You know, I don't, I don't, Yeah. I, I just, I think he's definitely the rookie of the year. And I think this is a, this is a, he is a legit rookie of the year. Unlike Carter Williams, which was a weird, you know, eh, who do we pick here? Rookie of the year. Right. So, right, right, right. Nerlens. So, Another thing I noticed, saw Embiid working out up close for the first time. Oh yeah, he didn't. He wasn't doing it when I was there. I was pissed. Let me tell you something. Uh, yeah. Two things. First of all, he was definitely fat before, and he is <laughs> definitely not fat at all now. I mean, <laughs> if you look, there should. I'm sure somebody from this podcast can take a fat picture of him and a current picture of him. He is in like he is toned. And he honestly, even in his his body, is a he looks like half the size of he did as he did before. He is, and I know Brett Brown said something about you know that he'll take his shirt off after practice now in front of people, and he looks toned and, and looks like he's in good shape. But he's actually in good shape. It's exciting to see. <laughs> no, he's just he's if, if honestly, the only way to get into that good t- shape is to be able to exercise to get into that good shape. So it makes me happy that he's in good <laughs> physical condition, but also that he can exercise and that he's, I don't know, the guy, he looks like a, a basketball player now, not just like a this, laughing fat guy. Spike Eskin's tip to getting a hot bod <laughs> exercise. Really great. Fuck I need you. Nerlens Noel doing, uh, or, uh, Joel, I, knew, I need him to be doing uh Terrell Owens push-up uh, sit-ups in his driveway. Yes, do That's it. Right. Yeah. That's right. He looks really good, man. He looks really good. So um, did I have anything else from last night? I'm trying to think. Probably. No. Oh, and then – and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just – I'm lamenting I want to see more Glenn Robinson. I want I want him to, like, be doing more stuff. It's weird that there's, like a like a, like a roadblock. There's too many wings ahead of him. Yeah, is he any good though? I, I've never really watched him. Is he, he the the the, could the be, he could be fun and fun and good? Yeah. The, the book on him is that he can score. How does he score? Does he score in a, you know, any NBA player can score? Any, any NBA wing he's, can score? He's athletic. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's, he's very wingy, athletic, and uh, uh, he's had some nice dunks in like past times, and he's long, okay. and. Uh, he could be, I mean, he should be fun. There's no reason why he's not playing and being fun. He's, I think he's just like still learning, learning the idea. He's a, I mean, he's a finisher. Okay. So I think that's what that'd be fun to see. And he's he's getting better. He's he's streaky as a shooter. I would say. Um, one thing about Nerlens that has you know made an enormous difference in Nerlens has been, and there were pieces written by, I think Rich wrote a piece, and I think Derek wrote a piece about Ish Smith and the change in the offense, and actually mm-hmm. defensively they've been pretty 
uh, decent too with Ish and Cannon on the on the court at the same time. But um, the chemistry that Ish Smith has developed with Nerlens rather it's quickly, great. yeah. And I think it sort of points to for me the the idea that one of the things about trading MCW, one of the negative things was not that at some point, like I don't want to get into that whole thing, but you know, these guys need to develop a chemistry together and how do you do that if you keep changing players? Well, if players are good, uh, that yeah. chemistry, like there's a chemistry between Ish Smith and Nerlens Noel and as far as I know, they've even known each other for about six weeks. That's all that has happened, yeah. you know? So... That um, is pretty amazing to me, the difference that Ish Smith has made. And aside from the stats being all better with Ish Smith as a sixer compared to Michael Carter-Williams, like assist rate I think is the same, PER higher, assists per 36 higher, points per 36, everything higher per 36 than MCW was. Am I crazy in thinking that like he's he is actually better like he's just a better basketball player than Michael Carter Williams now. Ish Smith, just Ish Smith, is better than MCW. Right now, I would say he's better for the team. But he's not I don't better. Know that he, I, I mean, is he better? Like, are his stats better? Yeah. But you, I mean, you look at the guys and you're like, oh, this guy could be much better if he did this, this, this. Ish, I don't think Ish could be much better. I mean, I guess the, the shot is the only thing that he could really like improve upon. And hey, two for two from beyond last night, by yeah. the way. And his true shooting percentage is the same as MCW's, if not a little higher. And he takes, he doesn't take so many bad shots. It doesn't seem like, at least to my eyes. I I just think if, like, let's say you are in charge of a basketball team and you have to win a game, and you can either have Ish Smith, it, I don't even and don't say who's the team because. At this point, yeah. it could be any team. I'm saying any team. I would pick Ish Smith rather than Michael Carter Williams right now, and yeah. I don't think, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think about it too long. Well, here's the thing: uh, the fact that we're even having this conversation is like insane, and that it's a is, real conversation con- is like a con- condemning enough of of MCW. And I, we don't have to talk about the trade anymore. But it's like, come on, guys, like. They know what they're doing. Like yeah. trading MCW just because he's the rookie of the year. Like Ish Smith is playing better basketball than he was. Like if we can get Ish Smith a five-year undrafted free agent who's like just yes. journeymaned around and he's coming in and like running the team better than MCW did, then it's like, well, maybe there's maybe there's something to that. Trade this guy at the top of his value, get a top 10 pick for it. The – and the – and would you? Is he good enough to? He's an unrestricted free agent after the year. I, I, I could see. I could see one. I don't know how all of Ish Smith, Isaiah Cannon, and Pierre Jackson are going to be on the team next year. Yeah. I could see. I could see one of them. Yeah. And I don't know which one's going to be. I really. I mean, Cannon right now is not a point guard. Like he's not playing point guard on the team. I. I it's he been a while since I watched Pierre Jackson, and he's more of a point guard. But, but. Still closer to the Isaiah, like come in, like score and get hot, and like, but Roden is that too in in a way, and so it's like I don't know how many, I think the team is going to look a lot different next year, and in the same way that like we talked about this before, it was like Elliot Williams was looking great at the end of last year, and then he didn't make the team, and I think there's going to be a bunch of those guys, and like maybe it's Jakar, maybe it's 
Aldemir, maybe it's Thomas Robinson. And like these guys are just not going to, there's going to be turnover until they get to a point where it's like, okay, these are the guys that are talented enough. So I don't know. The, um, I'll tell you, somebody asked to, you know, bring up Cannon and, um, why they would want him in the first place, given how he's looked, you know? And I, I will say that I don't know, regardless of how Cannon's judged, I will never judge that trade. Maybe this is unfair, but I probably won't ever judge that trade. Like, I'm never going to say that if Cannon stinks, that is a condemning of Yeah, trading. no, I agree. Either, either, either it was good to trade KJ, either you're going to lose KJ or you weren't. Like either it was good to trade him or it wasn't. I like I was never counting on Cannon being like really really good as the reason for trading. Like ooh, yeah. we can get Isaiah Cannon. I don't think that was ever it. But well, yeah. I mean, it was like hey, he likes this guy, and clearly he's got a skill that's like a plus NBA skill. And I think we have to give him a little bit of time to. I mean, he was doing nothing for a year, like just playing like six minutes a game, and now it's like hey, run the offense. And so it's not hard. To see, like, hey, he's not—he's just not ready for this, and so give him a full off season of like, all right, you're the backup point guard, or you're going to run the first team, whatever. And like, I think I think there's a there's a place in the NBA for a guy that that can stretch the floor and at, at that position. Um, Are you worried? Yeah, about I mean, the, the, the oh, KJ trade for me is like, you can't argue against it. Like, it's it's it'd be crazy for me to argue against it. The, the people, my friend Patrick, who's a good friend of mine, big basketball fan. Um, was like, they, didn't they trade KJ kind of just to be like, well, fuck you, you signed the this one year contract, we're gonna trade you, and you're not gonna play on Houston. And I was like, no, what? No, that's not what it is. And it's like, well, why couldn't they just sign him? The cap's gonna go up. They could sign him for more money than anybody else anyway. And it's like, how can you be a franchise that just signs people because they're here? Like yeah. I that that it blows my mind. Like the Sixers got a second round pick. Like that'll be around thirty-five. It's Denver's second-round pick, right? It'll be around thirty-five. Yes. And and Isaiah Cannon, who is a, 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 a already a very good shooting, has potential point guard for a, for a half a season of a guy that they probably wouldn't have signed anyway, and they still have the option to then offer KJ a contract in the offseason. There's no downside to it. There's just not. Well, and I guess. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I I will say though that. Um, I do think it's possible that when that the negotiations with KJ's agent and the Sixers, when the Sixers were like, "Here's what we want you to sign," even if it was a good, even if it was better than what Jeremy got or Covington got or, or something like that, but still team friendly, and they were they were like, "Well, we're only doing this one," and at some point the agent could have said to. The Sixers, like, he ain't staying. You know what I mean? Like, we are not happy with you, and the Sixers weren't thrilled with the agent, and they knew yeah. there was no deal happening. So sure. I don't think they sent him to Houston to punish him, but they were. I do think it is possible that some of it was like, you know, like, this is how we do business here, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, we have no interest in overpaying you, I so— yeah, well, yes, that that's what it is. I don't think yeah. it's like I'm gonna send. It, I don't think Daryl Morey is like, yeah, send him to us. We'll teach him what's what. Yeah, See, yeah, I think, yeah. I think Morey was like, hey, here's a guy I could use. Cannon's not getting minutes. We don't need another pick. Like, here you go. It is I sort think, of interesting that all of a sudden Beverly gets hurt and the um, Houston doesn't have a like doesn't really have a backup point guard, do they? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah I didn't even think about that. 
Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about Cannon, and I'm willing, like, I want to like him because I like, yeah, I, I want to like him. But he is, his in, he, he just seems slow. Like, that is the thing that, like, he doesn't seem like he can get by anybody, and he certainly can't guard anybody. Um, at least Ismith is quick, you know, guarding people. I, I just, I'm blown away by, how, and maybe it's because he's not in good enough shape yet and just doesn't have his legs under him, but I think that I'm really, I don't know, I'm I'm really shocked at how slow he is. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and he's definitely. I mean, Ish is so fast that, like, yes. just comparatively, you get the other. But I mean, since the All Star break, I mean, Ish looks good. Like, he's just he, he's shooting thirty eight percent from deep, which is you know maybe thirty eight percent better than he shot his whole career. And uh, well, I think that's better than Covington. I think Covington's at thirty seven. <laughs> so it's really fun. So it's I'll really, take it. I'll take thirty eight really from. Uh, quick shout out. Yeah. Quick shout out to. Uh, Luke Richard and Bamute. Now I've given him a lot of shit this year. You have because he's on he's on a team where I just don't value him getting shots. Mm-hmm. I don't want every time he gets a rebound, I'm like, oh, I wish somebody else got that rebound. Every time he takes a shot, it's like, ah, come on, give it to somebody else because he's just you know you know sort of like Jay Rich. At least Jay Rich was sort of a feel feel good story for me. I know other people feel differently, um, but Luke is kind of just like you're here, like just don't make just sit. Collect your paycheck and like talk to Joel and sit quiet. But he's he really has like embraced this team. I I think at least from the outside and uh, embraced the way they play. Like for his career coming into the season, he had 86 attempted three pointers, 86 coming in, and he's attempted 189 this year. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. In two in three years ago with the Bucks. He went one for four from three for <laughs> for the season, and and last night he was three for five. Yeah, I it, I've it's it's cool it's cool like of him and he's not that old like he I think people look at him and he's like oh you're you've been around for a long time, but he's like he's 30, only right twenty eight yeah he's twenty eight, and uh, I think he's gonna go somewhere this year. I think I think he's weirdly making himself a lot of money this year. I think. He's he he's setting a career high in points and rebound and like just doing stuff that he hasn't done before, and uh, I think a team's gonna look at him and be like, oh, he could help us now. And uh, just wanted to give him a little quick shout out. I know he listens to the podcast. He's a big <laughs> fan of ours, so I wanted to just give it give it a quick little little Luke love. I'll tell you, I've never been. Yeah, see, I've never been. I like him. You know, I've never been as I was anti him in the very 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 beginning, but then I was yeah. just like. I don't know. I get he's the he is the vet that everybody wants, you know. And it yeah, actually, that's why I don't want him. That's why, yeah. that's why I'm like, no, get out of here. Yeah, I sort of like him. No so, vets. I am I am ageist, if not anything else. So quick, Brett Brown thing, and then I got to tell you this Tony Roten story. All right. Okay. Yeah. One funny thing about Brett Brown, and this is just an observation, is that actually it's related to something else, but it's funny to me. How the older uh, local media talks about how much they love Brett Brown and how bad they feel for him, you know, yes. that he's stuck in the situation 
as if he didn't meet with Sam Hinkie for hours and hours and hours and isn't part of the fucking front office too. Like, he's the head coach, and he purposely got a long-term deal here because he knew exactly what they were doing. It is no coincidence, oh, they didn't want him to trade Brett Brown. Like, at what point do you notice that every time they get rid of anybody— he says that he liked them and that they were an important part of the team. You know, like yeah. like that Brett Brown goes home with his, like, fucking $4 million a year guaranteed five-year contract that he knew exactly what was going on here to coach basketball and develop players, which, by the way, is his expertise that he goes home, like, crying every night at what Sam Hinkie has done to him and what he has to— he's a part of this. He, You know, it's not his, like— design but he jumped on this ship knowing exactly what the ship was so you can't it's so convenient to like excuse him from the things that you don't like because he's not the face of them but he is part of this you know like he's not crying about this right so and he's also doing a great fucking job yes amazing job love the job this is not anti-brett brown at all i love brett brown i think he's great but like he's part of the he like I want credit for if if we're gonna be like pro the plan and pro Hinky, then I want to get credit for getting Brett Brown too. I don't want like for some reason the the old guard gets credit for Brett Brown, even though yeah. Sam Hinky is the one who hired him, who took too long to hire somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> like 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 uh, I I don't know. I'm just like he's part of it. He it, yeah. if you're going to talk about the plan and the organization and and what they've done to turn it over, hiring Brett Brown is part of it. You know what I mean? And he's part of doing Absolutely. it. So. So. Yeah. So um so one last thing since I'm giving shouts to people. Yeah. Since our last since our last podcast, I think it was the last podcast. Well, let's just say since the All-Star break cuz he's been good. Fucking Hollis, man. Yes. Hollis has been electric. I mean, earlier this year he was cold. He was I mean, I look. I'm looking at it now. The the pre All Star break stats. He only he shot 36 percent from deep, which is not bad at all. It felt like it was like he's struggling more. But after the All Star break, in the 20 games after the All Star break, he shot 45 percent from three. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, all that work they did to make the the release quicker. He is yes. able to get the shot off quicker. Like even when there's a guy on him, he does this thing where he sort of like dribbles, turns around, goes back, and then he can get the shot off. He doesn't need to be set how I feel like he used to need to be set. You know what I mean? Like he's um, yeah. he has looked better. Absolutely. Um, he's- God, I love him. And 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 Covington had a couple nice games in a row there, and so I'm feeling really good about everything. I mean, we're still like hold keeping the Lakers at bay. I really want at least to go into the lottery party with like a shot. Yes. You know, like I really want a shot. And uh, Orlando's only a game and a half up on the Lakers. So maybe we can slide to five. That'd be nice. But um, God, it would be so good to have it, to have a shot going in. And also let's just give an update on the 25 wins. Yeah. Seven, seven and two. That's all they have to do is go seven and two in their final nine. All they have to go seven and two. And I am proven right. I'll have to. I don't remember. I think I said sixteen or eighteen. I don't remember what my prediction was. So they well they they, they won nineteen last year. So I, I would I think love I said for them 18. to get. Tw- I would love for them to get. Well, twenty five, obviously. Yeah. But if they if they can get twenty, if the Sixers can get twenty, and I think they I think the the rest of the games are, are doable. Uh, I would love for them to get twenty, just to be like, hey, we're better than last year. Nice improvement, guys. All right. They didn't. I mean, they. 
People called him out for not fielding a team, and they're not going to be the worst team in the league. They're not going to be the second worst team in the league. It's like, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're like splitting hairs at that point of like, yeah, they're bad. They're a bad team, obviously. But like, they know what they're doing. They can't, can't that just be like more of a, I don't, do people go into next season and like the Sixers again, like are an embarrassment to the league after two years of not being the worst team in the league. Like, it's like, what, what are you guys talking about? What's happening? And you know what? I would rather care too much than not enough. (laughs) God fucking damn. (laughs) What? Oh, things are great. Things are really great. I think anytime you're trying to bring out the best in anybody, there's always going to be some creative tension. Yeah. I call it changing somebody's comfort zone. Oh, he's the worst. He's so bad. I'm not going to get over it. I'm not yeah, ever going to get over it. And I appreciate him for what he is because we wouldn't have gotten to where we are with, without Doug Collins fucking everything up. But still, holy shit. You know, and all I'd ever heard about is all the busts that had come through that I was going to say, like, I, I'm not a bus. I can play. <laughs> Doug Collins, not a bus. And I, yeah, and I was banged up, you know. So thank you, by the way, at Win Douglas, who heard us com- heard me complaining that I wasn't able to fix the jigsaw because I didn't have Doug Collins quotes, sends me an email saying he doesn't even like the jigsaw, but here's a zip file of 90 Doug Collins quotes that you can use <laughs> to remake it. So I haven't had time to do that yet, but I will. Um, and then we- we'll have an updated jigsaw thing. And uh, right. with Doug back in it, my body uh, found out what was going on with my hips and everything. <laughs> you could do that forever. You yeah. could do it forever. Uh, um, all right, wait. I get a tweet last night from Bill at Dario Party is, and he's like, "I have a story for you. What's your email?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I give my email, and he says, "Tony wrote on Twitter the other day, asks if anyone can fix phones." So I respond to him, this is Bill, yeah, my boy can fix them real easy and he'll do it for free. Now, the funny part of this is that either neither Bill nor his friend Eric have any idea how to fix iPhones. They've never fixed a phone ever in their life. <laughs> Tony Roten responds, really for real, like, you can fix the phone. This guy Eric responds, DM me. So... They volunteer to go over to Roten's house last night to fix phones. They have 24 hours to learn how to fix iPhone screens. This guy, Eric, uh, at EJ Guff, <laughs> spends the next day learning how to fix iPhone screens and buying a replacement iPhone screen to fix Tony Roten's iPhone screen. <laughs> Says that he'll do it without the knowledge of how to do it this is something by the way that people get paid to do to fix iphone screens they wind up at tony roten's apartment last night hanging out with him all night fixing his phone um and coming back with a bunch of interesting tony roten information oh my god first of all he says roten was awesome roten like even though the guy said he would do it for free roten gave the guy like like three times as much as the screen even cost in the first place. Here's some other great stuff. Tony Roten's knee feels great. Um, He said he saw crutches, but he wasn't using them. Tony Roten Uh is, quote, really good at FIFA. (laughs) 
<laughs> I be that. I buy that a lot. He beat me two nothing, and I would conf- consider myself half decent. Um, doesn't watch a ton of college basketball. Oh, doesn't pay attention to prospects. Um, talked a little bit about football. He's not thrilled about getting Kerry Williams. He's a Seahawks fan. Um, uh. Maybe it's just uh, the people I follow on Twitter, but I always feel like there's a large contingency of Sixers fans who support what they're doing and generally like the team. Tony didn't really see it this way. He told me something uh, to the effect of people don't pay, won't pay attention until we start winning. Um, yeah. At the same time, he seemed giddy about the future of the team. Multiple times we talked about next year, how excited he is to play with Nerlens and Embiid. He seemed really upset that he got hurt. Um, yeah, dude. He believes not, not as upset as you are. No, half as upset. Um, <laughs> he said he sees uh, Hinky. Hinky's very quiet. Um, they tried to guess who Furkan Aldemir hangs out with on the team. <laughs> um, he said that uh, he's very quiet. Hangs out with his wife. We talked about how he sets hard screens, and Roten said that's what they pay him for. Um, <laughs> he was upset that they traded MCW. Um, thinks Harden should win MVP. And uh, he thought one the final thing he thought that was funny. He said there was very little decoration in his apartment, which this guy thought that he was surprised. Here's this NBA player makes a ton of money, um, which I actually had something to say about. Some oh he also has a fat head of himself. <laughs> oh my god, that's um, the best thing one, I've ever heard. One thing you forget is is that these guys are super young. And when yeah. I was 21, I didn't know how to decorate an apartment. Yeah. Also, they're never home. Like, the person that decorates your apartment usually is your wife or a girlfriend or you, who decorates it like a normal person instead of just hanging stuff on the walls. That's something that you—but I remember seeing—there was a time. I was in high school, and we went over this—and I don't know. I think I've told this story before. My uh, A friend of mine knew Mark, former Timberwolf, and I think former Sixer—yeah, former Sixer Mark Davis— Knew him because Mark Davis played with Jerome Allen, who played in the NBA, is from Philly, who went to my high school, played at Penn. So somehow me and two of my friends go over to Mark Davis's apartment, and they were going over to smoke weed with Mark Davis. I've never, like, I didn't do any drugs, so I was just the fat, uh, acne, white kid that came along to sit on the couch while everybody else smoked weed um, in the apartment. But there was nothing on Mark Davis's walls either. Like, I don't think any of these guys have anything on any of their walls. That would be my ga- my guess. The young ones, right? Did you hang up anything when you were like twenty one? You didn't have like a, a nice looking apartment, did you? No. Um, I guess I would have been after college. Hang some things, like a couple like paintings. I guess I lived with I lived with my girlfriend at the time. Oh, so we kind of okay. we had like a bedroom and like put stuff in places, but I mean I guess if I was I, I could see myself being an NBA player and just being like I don't know what yeah I'm just gonna come in here and yeah and just be that guy yeah they're never there I'll tell anyway. You, Andrew Sharp didn't have anything on his walls and he was 27. Ah, uh, well that's not entirely surprising. Yeah, a- wait, it- let me give you an Andrew Sharp thing. Okay, I just realized this. I mean I've known this for a while, but Andrew Sharp is not. His real name. What? What is yeah. it? And uh, Andrew is his middle name. Really? Like I feel like the only people that do that are girls in college who have cool um, 
like cool middle names but bad first names, right? Like, don't girls do that? Guys don't do that. I guess my fucking name isn't Spike either, so how am I going to rip on it? <laughs> yeah, you're fucking idiot. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> but at least I have a, a, an obviously fake name. Andrew isn't even a good fake name. It's a fake, it's fake name. middle name. It's middle name, I think, because I think it's because his dad has his first name. I don't know, but okay. his first name, his real first name. Yep. And you could, we and we could start this up. It's not Nerlens. Okay. Uh, his real name is Edward, as in <laughs> Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Edward but Sharp just, is a shitty fucking name. Edward Sharp. It's the worst name. <laughs> what a name. horrible name! What's the name yeah, of a I dickhead? I can't believe I never talked about it before on the podcast, but. Uh, Okay. I mean, like on his, I, I was sitting next to him and I saw his ESPN ID and it says Edward Sharp. And I was like, oh, fuck, I should have said this. So now here it is. What a shitty name. That sucks. <laughs> All right. Before we call Ange, you have 10 seconds to respond to each one of these Twitter questions. Got it. Any chance they make a big offer to Chris Middleton in the offseason seems like a solid fit. That's from Patrick Kirkner. No. Uh, Matthew Sweeney. Um, uh, Jigsaw, would you rather. Hear me talk about the Hawks for three hours or hear Howard talk about Sam Waldo Hinky for three hours? Uh, you talk about the Hawks. From Brandon uh, Mowry, reactions to, uh, you probably didn't read uh, Bill Simmons' latest trade value column, but he was yeah. congratulating himself for putting Oladipo over Bennett and Nerlens Noel in his, um, that they, he would be, that Oladipo would be a better player than than Nerland's Noel. He was congratulating himself about that. Great, great, Bill. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, wait two seconds. Yeah. Orlando's awful. Yes. Orlando's horrendous. Alfred Payton, I like Oladipo, I like Vucevic, sure. But, like, they're still playing Willie Green 22 minutes a game, and Aaron Gordon's barely playing at all, and they're just losing tons of games, which I want to happen because I want them to overtake the Lakers. But, like, the people are like, for whatever reason, like commending Orlando for everything they're doing, and like, holy shit, they're horrendous. Anyway, next from uh, at GFO Soul, uh, which Sixers tributes do you demand to see, and what would the tribute show them doing? Do you have one? <laughs> As in, like a tribute video? Yeah, in honor of the Spencer Hawes one. Like of, of current Sixers, I can choose between any Sixer, any Sixer, past or present. Um. I would love like a really, really nice tongue-in-cheek Doug Collins tribute. Ooh, I would love a Nocioni tribute. Yeah, um, that'd be great. That'd be great. I think like the next time the Sixers have a national game, which will be in 2024. Yep. Uh, and Doug calls it. Yes. You got to. We got to have a Doug. A Doug thing. That'd from from John Teagan, who wins a March Madness Team Hinky Villains bracket? Howard Eskin, Stan Van Gundy, Bill Simmons, Doug Collins, Charles Barkley, or or Boogie Cousins. I don't know that he's uh, a... Yeah, I don't know about yeah. about Buck. But yeah. um, I think probably Howard. <laughs> it's got to be Howard, I yeah. think. Uh, final two from Michael Carsetter, regular listener. Uh, your dream contract for T-Rob in the offseason? 3-6. Uh, okay. And finally from uh, from at Kill a Cow, does Jakar yeah. Sampson have a better rookie of the year case than Doug McDermott? <laughs> and the answer to that is yes. You know what's interesting? If if uh, if Covington had not played the 27 minutes or whatever that he played last year, he would be in that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, do you want to call Ange? 
Um, two seconds. Okay. One, one tank update. Oh, Sixers yeah. would get picks three. Yep. 16 from Miami and 19 from Oklahoma City right now, which is perfect. Yep. Uh, I mean, it really is like Wizards versus Thunder, and Kevin Durant's out for the rest of the year, so that's kind of tough. But if if the if the Thunder outplay the Wizards the rest of the year, the Sixers get that pick, which is great. And uh, Miami has a nice little cushion. They're a game up on Boston, and then a game and a half to two games up on Utah, Indiana, and Brooklyn. So all they have to do is be better than one of Boston, Brooklyn, Indiana, Utah. That's it. One of them. And there are and they have a two game cushion on, on some of them. So we're getting that Miami pick. Um I had told somebody we would talk about Kevin Durant and what you'd trade for him at this point, given all the situations, because it would be hilarious, but I forgot, so we can do it next week. It's not going anywhere. And yes, sir. And what was the other thing I wanted to say? Um, I think that's all I have. Okay. I got one one oh. quick Liberty Ballers thing, yep. teasing something. Yep. Um, we are adding, we're making the announcement of the of the new writers we're adding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jake, uh, uh-huh. Jake gave me sort of a, a heads up on who's coming. And actually, I have a funny story about that that I'll tell you off of this. But um, um, but yeah, we got a we got a whole bunch of applications, and I already pre pre wrote an article that goes on Monday. But like, we got no applications from women, and that really made me like so sad. Well, I'm like well, so upset about it. If you had been to the lottery party last year, probably wouldn't yeah wouldn't have surprised. Yeah. But you like, I, we're so like I'm so like militant about making sure that we're not misogynists on the blog. But I was figured like at least it's a, an open environment for women, if not. An appealing one. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, uh, if a girl, if you're a woman that likes writing about basketball and you're a Sixers fan, and you listen to this podcast, like send me an email. Like maybe, yeah. If you're a girl yeah. that likes basketball and pretends to like Kendrick Lamar, you too could be a blogger. <laughs> That's right. You don't wait. Are you are you giving me a hot take on Kendrick right now? No, I just it was funny. I was okay. Then we're calling Ange. I saw the Lollapalooza lineup came out right. And uh, I lived in Chicago for a couple of years, so I went to the Lollapalooza, like the the not the old Lollapalooza, but like the current iteration of Lollapalooza. And I looked at the lineup, and I was like, "Oh, Metallica and Brand New at the same show. That would be really cool, you know." For the um, except for the six hundred other bands um, that are all the Cold War kids in my head, and <laughs> and the hundred thousand white people pretending to like Kendrick Lamar. It would be a uh, wonderful place to go to. So why do they have to be pretending to like Kendrick Lamar? Well, it's not that. Can we do this next time? We we're at like one ten, like I know, an I know. hour ten. We'll do this next I did, time. I, I got I got tickets. I got tickets to Outside Lands though in San Francisco. I don't know what I'm that really, is. It's a big music festival in San Francisco. All right, I'm calling it's Ange. So great, great right. lineup, Spike. You I'm, should come. I'm putting you on hold. I'm putting you on hold. All right. Yeah. Odds are Spike will keep this playing. So I'm just going to talk as if this is the podcast. I feel like I could really have a podcast by myself where I just talk about my thoughts and argue with them to myself. I hear him vaguely talking. I could be talking to myself right now. I really don't know. All right, let's try this. Are you ready? All right.
Ange, are you there? I am here. Mike, can you hear Ange? Ange, what's up, buddy? What's up, Levin? Wow, three people on the podcast. Hasn't happened since we had Eric Snow on last year. <laughs> yeah, you got to match up to Eric Snow, Ange. Yeah. I have uh, two things to say right off the bat. I'm honored and privileged to be a rare guest on the Ricky, especially the night after Nerlens drops 30 and 14. Yeah. Right. And, and secondly, I'd like to officially rename this portion of the podcast the rights to the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I think there's only been my, – my recollection is there have now been three guests on the rights to Ricky Sanchez, Sam Hankey, Eric Snow and Ange Goldstein. Not a bad group to be a part of, Ange. That's like oh, we're almost at the Four Horsemen. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. One more to go. Well, I one more to go. Ange, so Ange is on Twitter at Ange, A N G E Gold. Um, he used to come on my WIP show. To, he was the official WWE correspondent of the Spike Eskin show. And um, and now is everyone else's official correspondent because there's no oh my one God. on the Spike Eskin I, show. Media takeover this week. Yeah, very big. Now, of course, and and how did you guys know each other, or did you guys not know each other? And then, because I know you you hung out one day. Yes, right. uh, we have a mutual friend, Levin. You can. Yeah, like I went. Me. I went to. I was back east last time, and uh, went up to New York to have lunch with a friend, and uh, who's also a, a fan of the Ricky, who's uh, also a Liberty Bludgeon or Philly sports guy. Um, and he was like, hey, do you mind if Ange Goldstein comes? He's a friend of mine, and you guys, like, know the same people. I was like, fuck yeah. And so yeah, uh, it, we had a nice just, brunch in uh, just, like, down to Manhattan. It was just great. It was just a really like nice my, time. My friend Mike, who lives in New York, who's a huge Sixers fan and just a huge fan of, like, all of the crazy, you know, Philadelphia uh, sports-adjacent things that all of us uh, get excited about and then you know it just all sort of worked out and there we were at a table uh talking about sam hinky there you go and now and now we're in a, an email thread that has been going for months and so i i talk to Ange almost every day uh indirectly. wow so yeah i'm on many many group emails yeah Ange, would this appearance be i still don't understand what mage and adjace mean but is it mage or is it adjace this uh, appearing on the Ricky the night after Nerlens drops 30 and 14 to talk about wrestling is mage. Oh, is mage. Uh, okay. It, it, it's sort of a, a language that uh, my friend and, and cohort Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 has uh, perpetrated on the public. Mage, adjacent is like, um, you know, Nerlens Noel dropping 30 and 14 is like uh, Minute Bowl adjacent. It's probably not a good <laughs> Okay. It's probably not a good example, but it's it's uh it's like it, it works a lot in wrestling when you see like somebody you yeah. know Bray Wyatt is Undertaker a Jace. I okay. really can I say that I don't like Bray Wyatt. Is that okay? Yeah, I don't like Bray Wyatt either. I've been very vocal about uh, you know calling out you know everybody loves Bray Wyatt because the promos are so passionate and and they're so uh, well scripted and written and performed, but. I don't think he ever says anything of substance. And so I've been very critical of like, please just tell me why you're here and what your mission is. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's sort of a big pet peeve of mine in the last couple of years of WWE is their characters are well written, but there, there's no, there's no depth. There's no, we don't know why they're doing anything. It happened with the shield. we never knew why they were there. And it happened with the Wyatt family. And just finally this 
past couple of weeks, we, we heard from Bray Wyatt. He finally said, I want to be the new face of fear in the WWE. That's why I'm calling out The Undertaker. So, By the way, it, it's just like a fucking, the whole Wyatt family is like a backwards version of The Purge that has lasted two years and been given no explanation. It's just No like, explanation. Yeah, every bit is like, look at us. We're scary backwards guys. I don't even know, like... And I, I don't watch as much as I used to, but it just seems like that it ends there. Like the explanation ends sort of there. And nothing he ever says is always like cryptic and like like it seems it seemed cool for the first three months and now it seems sort of dumb. Yeah, I mean, you know, they split Bray away from the other two. It, it, it was like um, Deliverance, but without any of like the story. It was just the characters from Deliverance doing other things. And, you know, it jumped the shark sort of when when those guys were, like, wearing WWE, like, produced T-shirts. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't seem so backwards <laughs> when that's happening. So, so of course, um, WrestleMania is on Sunday, and I would say that the biggest story now going into WrestleMania is Brock's decision to stay with the WWE rather than go back to uh, the UFC, which, if you're going to ask me, would you rather make more money to fake fight or less money to real fight? Seems like a pretty easy uh, decision for him to make. But it's a very spike. It's a very spike take. Yeah, but how does it? How does it? Um, do you think it? It affects who they have winning. I mean, that's. It, does it add like heat to the the fight itself? Does it make Absolutely. it more exciting? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, first of all, he's 39. Like, yeah, of course, I'm going to take the money to not almost die every, you know, every yeah. time I fight. Yeah. Uh, but I think it adds infinitely more uh, um, intrigue and possibilities into, you know, Brock versus Reigns. Because going into it before the ESPN announcement, you were like, oh, well, Brock's going back to the, there's a chance. There's a very good chance Brock's going back to the UFC. So, of course, they're going to put the, you know, they're going to put Reigns over. And here we go. Reigns is the new Cena. And it was sort of that, like, uh, you know, foregone conclusion and now you go in we don't know what to think because brock just signed for three years maybe the wwe wasn't confident in reigns and they're like all right here back up the brinks truck give all the money to uh brock lester but what i think is so genius about the move uh putting brock on espn is that every year seemingly at wrestlemania there's always a mainstream tie-in right there's snooki there's floyd mayweather there's um uh who else has wrestled there's like Butterworth. Dog. What? Butterworth, right? But yeah, uh, exactly. Butterbean. So Butter there's Bean, always that's some Butter kind Butter of, of Butterworth. Uh, Butterworth. Trump, I like Butterworth. The syrup lady. The syrup lady. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump is the big one. But anyway, there's always a mainstream uh, uh, something book at WrestleMania, which draws new eyeballs, new viewers. <laughs> and this year there wasn't one, and and it was kind of strange that they didn't have one. So what do they do? They re-sign Brock, and then throw him on ESPN, there you go. That's your mainstream hook. That's your new eyeballs. That's your new viewers. That's, that's your, new, uh, you know, your new audience to come over to the network and buy WrestleMania on Sunday. Now, this is Ange on the inside. I feel like we should say that Ange used to write for yes. the WWE when you were how old? Uh, 2006. So I was, uh, you know, sort of like 25, 25-ish. And I always say I got the job way too early. If it, uh, right. it, I was very intimidated. It's not easy to... Uh, to uh, be berated by Vince McMahon at 25 years old. But now that I'm uh, a decade plus uh, removed from that, I feel like I would have been much more prepared to, uh, to handle that job. It was a, we, we, I mean, I've talked to Spike at length about it. It was, 
It was a political, and it was a it was a Shark Tank. One of the the best Ange appearances, actually, one of the best. I would say the the best hour, the most positively reviewed hours I ever did on my show was when Ange came in and just answered questions from people about what it was like to work for WWE. Like yeah. that, that's how you know that um, a you're on till two in the morning and not uh, <laughs> in the afternoon. But b it is sort of hilarious that if a current uh, <laughs> a current like I'm the boss of those hosts now, and if a current WIP host did that, I would scream at them for an hour <laughs> about doing that. <laughs> I can't believe I got away with it. But so so okay, I I gotta ask you this. So my my um, I'm always wrong about what I think is going to happen. But immediately when I saw the the Brock announcement and and currently what's going on with Roman Reigns. I thought, wouldn't it be, and given what they did with um, Daniel Bryan, like they just had him underdog chasing the whole time, and I felt like that actually helped him, wouldn't it be interesting if Heyman were to leave Brock, side with Reigns, Reigns cheats to win the title, and Brock gets all kinds of like good guy uh, cheers and becomes like, just like a real, like El Destructo guy, like just yeah, man. A, a it's mission. the double turn. It, yeah. it, it's you're you're on the right track. A lot of people have speculated. In fact, uh, on Sports Nation, when uh, Reigns was uh, you know palling around with Michelle Beadle, Heyman walked out, and you know at every appearance when Heyman and Reigns are together, Heyman always says, "I have nothing but respect. I'm a very big fan of Roman Reigns." So they've sort of been teasing us with that. Um, you know, uh, Paul Heyman being enamored with Roman Reigns. And I kind of see the story there of like, you know, you signed this, you signed this deal to stay in the WWE without my knowledge or something, right. something along those lines of like, we could have made big money. We could have taken the WWE title to the UFC, which was teased in a promo three weeks ago, which I thought was a big red flag of like, all right, now they're, they're sort of working something here if they're mentioning UFC on WWE air. So I think you're on the right track. You could see the double flip of Brock Lesnar comes out of WrestleMania as the big baby face, and you have Reigns come out as the heel champion. And, and it, would, it would, instead of like the pathetic sad booing of Roman Reigns, there would be a, like it would be a way to sort of help like recover his character. Yeah, you know it'd be I mean? real heat instead yeah. of you know, cheap heat. So, so then on to... Sting Triple H, which I have this, to this say, this is really what I want to talk about. It's interesting because I don't have any. I haven't seen very much on this. I just saw. I saw Sting's thing on Raw on Monday, um, and all I could think as I was watching it is, man, if you didn't have the makeup and the clothes on, you would look like a fat old guy. And that's <laughs> all I thought watching it. Yeah. He wrestles in a t-shirt like the fat kid in the swimming pool. That was and- me, buddy. <laughs> that was me. So what do you think? What's going on with this one? I love it, dude. It's the number one reason why I'm excited for WrestleMania because I'm a I'm a cheap uh, nostalgia mark. I'm admittedly so. And uh, look, Sting is in his 50s. Triple H is in his 40s. I don't care. Uh, they finally let Sting talk on Monday, and surprise, he was really good at it because if you watched yeah. him on TNA the last decade, he's a really good promo. So uh, they finally let him talk, and he said, look, it'd be stupid if I came out here and started, you know, said I'm fighting for WCW after 14 years. He's he's out there because he thinks Triple H is whack, and, and you know, he's, he's sort of uh, taken the easy route to running the wrestling business, and Sting wants to put a stop to that. So, you know, in the wrestling world, that makes sense. That's, that's all the sense I need to 
to believe in the match. And uh, it's just a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and, and that's really what WrestleMania should be about, are spectacles and these, these giant, like, never-before-seen um, encounters. So I'm excited. I love Sting. I've been a fan. You know, obviously, I'm a big NWA, WCW mark, so I can't wait to see what he looks like. His entrance is going to be crazy. Triple H's yeah. entrance is always insane. And, uh, yeah, man, I can't wait. Levin? You big Sting yeah. fan? Yeah, no, I dude, I fucking, I mean, Triple H. When Triple H was was, I guess, like at the, at his peak, was my like peak wrestling watching. And, and and Spike, how you feel about the Clippers is how I feel about Triple, Triple H. H. Okay, got it. I was watching him and be like, he could never lose. Like, no one's gonna beat him. And like, I knew it was fake, but it was still like, it still like affected me deeply. Like, it really, really, really I, I would be like, I remember watching like Triple H versus The Rock someplace. Uh, at my Sting, aunt's house, and just like Sting is being like, really you know, upset when Triple H won. That was probably – it was oh, before Angie's time. But like it was like Triple H is the fucking man, you know? Yeah. Sting is like so that I don't guy, know. You know. I, I can't, I can't the see the them only, letting him loose. I can't see them letting him loose. Sting's the only uh, you know, NWA, WCW guy who never jumped, you know? I'm, I'm trying to think of like the, the – mainstream sports equivalent of like the one guy it's like a cfl or a usfl player who never jumped to the nfl yeah he he like stayed he stayed in like you know a baseball player staying in japan exactly exactly it's like if stefan marbury stayed in japan his whole career and never played <laughs> china 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 but uh, anyway, I'm just super excited. And look, Triple H is, if, if anything else, he's the best in the wrestling business at making his opponent look like a million bucks. And yeah. whether Sting's in his 50s or in his 20s, uh, whether he's wrestling with a T-shirt on or not, you know, Triple H is the guy that can make a guy like Sting who hasn't wrestled in a year and, and uh, is in his 50s look like a million dollars in the ring. I can't wait for the match. And you know what? Jeez. I would rather care too much than not enough. Oh, that's I agree, Doug. I agree on that one. How about uh, Cena Rusev? Rusev. Uh, I now I think I feel like I haven't seen John Cena win a match in like ten years. I, like all he does is uh, maybe and maybe I'm just not paying enough attention. But like, isn't like Rusev's streak means nothing if he loses to Cena in my head, in my mind, or or or, or is that wrong? Is he definitely going to lose to Cena? I think, I mean, I don't want to say it's wrong, but in wrestling uh, philosophy, you know, all streaks have to come to an end. Goldberg's came to an end. The Undertaker's came to an end. Chip Kelly yeah. started talking to the media. So, you know, all <laughs> streaks have to come to an end. And uh, look, Rusev's been undefeated for a year. At some point, he's got to lose. And who better, you know, who better to lose to than John Cena without it hurting your character? Like, no, nobody's going to think less of Rusev for losing to John Cena because he's, you know, like you said, he's he, you know, he's the he's the face of WWE for the last decade. So I think Rusev loses to John Cena, and the next night comes out and he's as strong as ever, saying, you know, for whatever reason, John Cena got one over on me, but I'm still Rusev, Rusev Crush, and he goes on to he's the number two heel in the company, possibly yeah, the number uh, one heel in the company if they the flip Roman Reigns. I, I love and I care, <laughs> and uh, that's sort of the way I live my life. I I love and I care. Comments. <laughs> He's been doing this the whole time, man. Doug, Doug, in that clip, Doug sounds like Brother Love. <laughs> yes, a little bit like Brother Love. Wait, did you listen? Uh, did you listen to uh, Mick Foley on on the Mark Maron podcast? 
I did not. I have it flagged. There's so many podcasts. I I have I have it flagged. He mentioned uh, our movie. They, yes, he did. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, this is great. Oh. Mix the best, dude. I, I love that guy. Yeah. I I will. I did exchange uh, two text messages with Mick Foley earlier this week. I would just like to put that wow. out there that that happened. It definitely Wait, happened. and don't bury the lead. Who who followed you on Twitter? Oh, Titus O'Neil. Hey, oh, I did that. Um, I did the predictions thing for Vaughn for Philly.com. He asked me as, to predict who. As did I. And we both did. And the only thing I could, and I picked Titus O'Neil to win the uh, Andre the Giant uh, Royal Rumble, which will never in a bazillion years happen, but. I love Titus O'Neil, and I feel like he could be a huge WWE star. And I've, I'm convinced that he got buried because of that great commentary he did that everyone yep. loved. Um, when he was a heel, and he, they put him on commentary, and he babyfaced the whole thing. It was hilarious and entertaining, and and then you know he got put in the doghouse for it. Yeah, and like I almost feel well, you know, and then well, yeah. And then what the hell? Darren Young comes out, and then Darren this, Darren Young never wrestles again. Like what the hell happened there? Too? I think he was injured. Like it's oh, easy okay. to say, like oh WWE buried him, but I think he was injured, and he's just now coming back. But I, I could be wrong about that. But I, you know, I, I just want the Eagles to sign Titus O'Neil. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, he pl- where did he play in college? He played he, in Miami. Oh, he's right, like, right, right. He's like a Ron Simmons or The Rock type of like really accomplished college athlete. Like Titus O'Neil was like an all, you know, he's an all American um, and all kinds of stuff. I think he he also got injured, but uh, you know, he can't be any worse than Marcus Smith. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, that's the Mike, cross-board comparisons are really strong so far, Mike. Any- I. I, first of all, that was like a calling card of mine when I would you yes. know, like show as I tried as hard as possible to uh, to relate it back to the mainstream sports so I wouldn't get completely vilified by, uh, That's great. Well, by those listening. Ange's actual calling card was ripping a coworker in his like <laughs> second comment ever of mine. Um, okay. I learned I learned quickly what to do and what not to do and where the line is and what what, you know, <laughs> what, what to say and what not to say. But yeah, I did. I did on 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 air. You did that. Yeah, yeah, on air, on air. Yeah, yeah. He he called. Yeah, I'm not even gonna. Mike, I'll tell you off podcast. I'm not even going to voice it again. Well, listen, I and I'm with you on that because Spike almost canceled the podcast because we we were calling out his coworkers too much. So I'm right there with you. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. It's not because you know whatever. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) Do you? Edge, our podcast is now at almost 90 minutes um, this time. Do you have any other big takeaways you would like to talk about for WrestleMania before we wrap this thing up? Um, I'll just say that more entertaining than WrestleMania in the past five, six years is the Raw the next night in the smaller town, smaller arena, if you will. So uh, if you don't (laughs) watch WrestleMania, which you you should because it's on the network, it's very easy to uh, access now, and it doesn't cost $60. The next night, for free, you should tune into Raw because it's sort of the season reset uh, for the WWE. You're going to see all the new storylines sort of hatched out of WrestleMania. So the Raw and the crowd is always, you know, it's people who spent $1,000 to fly to Santa Clara, go to WrestleMania, and go to Raw. So it's the real hardcore fans. So Raw is going to be super entertaining. And if you'll indulge me, I have a, uh, I have a jigsaw. Oh shit! Oh my God! Hold on! Wow. Hold, wow. on. Wow. hold on! Wow. Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Um. All right. Ready and wait. Hold. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> all oh right. Oh my God! I'm so honored. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Go ahead. Like, you know I come prepared, so I came with a jigsaw, both of you. Okay. Uh, r- rest of your life, yep. rest of your life, you have you have to use this the uh, same toothbrush for the rest of your life. Or? Or you have to wear the same pair of underwear for the rest of your life. Oh, uh, wow. Oof. See, as <laughs> my parents who are still listening can attest, I've done both for quite some time <laughs> at, at various points of my life. As I think Spike, we all what do you have. think? You answer it first. Well, so the hard thing is, is not the first year. It's as these things wear out. Um, here's why I'm going underwear. The underwear will eventually wear out and be completely useless. will just be a waistband. But I had like, and this is again another podcast, but I went like a year and a half never wearing underwear. And sure. it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. So, yeah. um, you know. I, but, but no, you can't You can't get away with, and then I just won't wear underwear. You have to wear Yes, that. that's fine. That, that's fine. I, I'm fine with that. You know, whatever's left of it, I'm fine with it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You're married. That's crazy. I go toothbrush every day of the week. Oh, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> no. Toothbrush- that's the right I mean, answer. You put the toothpaste the- on it. Yeah. yeah. But- and then you just brush no. the toothpaste. Tell me the wrong. The underwear is just your old balls are getting all touched and stuff. No, no thanks, man. Tell me he's wrong. Give me the toothpaste. Edge, tell me he's wrong. I've overused the toothbrush to the chagrin of my girlfriend, but I've in my days, I've overused the toothbrush for a year, year plus. But... Now that I'm older, I can see, you know, there's like the bacteria situation on an, uh, on a used toothbrush, you know, two, three, four, ten years. I can't imagine what it would do to your, do to your mouth. Though, when you get older, you kind of need some support because things start to uh, descend yeah. farther. I, so, I don't know. I'm torn. I think I go, I think I go underwear. Yeah, Mike's wrong on Listen. that. You're worried about the bacteria on the toothbrush and not your, like, shitting into your underwear for 25 years? <laughs> it's a good point you make. It's yeah. a good point, and that's why, uh, that's why I'm it's happy a to have brought this conversation to the, right, the Ricky Steamboat podcast. All right. That's Ricky it. Ricky Steamboat. Thank Ricky you. the Dragon. <laughs> Thank you both. This has been, I think, the greatest Ricky of all time. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Um, I have to go. I love you both. Thank you, Spike. Thank you, Mike slash D'Lo Brown. See ya, and see ya, everyone. Like I said, hold your head, son.